This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The settlement between the Justice Department and German automaker Volkswagen is official. The total amount will be close to $15 billion, with $10 billion of that amount going to the owners of the vehicles that were affected in the emissions scandal. But there is still the process of getting the fixes for the vehicles done, or people just sending their cars back to VW and being compensated for them. To take a look at the decision, we're joined in the studio by Wharton's Eric Ortz, professor of legal studies and business ethics here at uh, at the school, and he is also fact faculty director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership. He's also author of Business Persons, A Legal Theory of the Firm, now out in paperback by Oxford University Press, also co-editing a forthcoming book of the, called The Moral Responsibility of Firms, also out by Oxford. And then also joining us on the phone is Rena Steinzor, who is a professor of law at the University of Maryland, and she's also a founder of the Center for Progressive Reform. Eric, as always, great to see you. Thanks very much for having me in again. Th- thanks very much, Rena. Great to have you on the phone. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I, I would normally say, Rena, you know, is this settlement fair? But in this case, I have to say, were, were VW owners sufficiently taken care of? Well, I think that um, if they bring their cars in, depending on the blue book value, um, they may receive fair compensation. The catch is, I would say, that we should be asking, was the air sufficiently taken care of? Because we had a lot of excess emissions. There's a study by Harvard and MIT that suggests 50 people died as a result of this. And if we don't get those cars off the road, we're not going to really get back to where we need to be. Going off of that number, how does that 50 number multiply, as we said, since there's no approved fix at this point? Well, um, you know, you could do a monetization of human life, which yep. is the typical way to deal with it, and the going rate is about $10 million. I think that that's a, not the best way to go about it. Um, Volkswagen is a recidivist here. They had another case in the 70s where they did the exact same thing. They had a cheat device. And I think it's very important to deter any future conduct like this. I'd also mention that voluntary recalls, where the consumer is uh, urged to bring the car in, even when the consumer is told there's a safety problem, are notoriously ineffective. And you could end up having 80% of people just ignore this. Eric, what was your reaction to the to the uh, to the settlement between the Justice Department and VW? Well, I think it's a very interesting uh, settlement, and the uh, numbers are higher than I expected. Um, it's a 225-page settlement, and I haven't had I haven't been able to read it uh, <laughs> since then. So I'm relying on um, on other reports. Uh, I I think that in overall terms. Um, it looks like to me it's a fair deal specifically for the uh, consumers. And so um, being a consumer myself, at least, I'm judging it that way. So, uh, But I, I think Rena raises a very important point, which is will this uh, – how, how well will this take care of the overall problem of the damage that has been caused? And there's um, 
One thing we haven't mentioned yet is that there's a $2.7 billion part of this deal that is uh, to be devoted to clean emissions yeah. technology remediations. So one of the things that they are thinking about is uh, is paying for a program to take uh, high-polluting diesel trucks off the road or have them retrofitted, that sort of thing, so that you would have uh, some sort of remediation going forward there. Uh, the other, uh, another piece of the deal is that there's a $2 billion fund that they've agreed to invest in what are called zero emission kinds of vehicles. So we don't know all the details of what that will be, but um, those are kind of looking forward uh, questions. And um, the, uh, I think the detail, uh, I think Rena mentioned this as well, part of, part of whether you actually solve the problem of the vehicles that are still on the road, there's about 475,000 of these vehicles still on the roads in the U.S., is how many people will actually take the cars back and take mm -hmm. the amount of money uh, and how many people will actually go in and get it fixed. So you, you can could have a scenario where there are some people that say, well, I don't want to trade my car because I don't I can't afford a new car, so I'm just going to keep this. It works fine now, right. and I'm not going to bring it in. Or you have... Um, a situation where you have a lot of people that just don't want to don't don't get don't get them fixed that don't uh, that you don't have enough people who opt in to these uh, to reduce the to reduce the emissions. So then you would have an ongoing problem of increased emissions. You're talking about as you said, 400 and almost 80 thousand vehicles that that have to be addressed here at, mm -hmm. at some point and. And the fair market value of what the vehicle is worth is probably an issue, as, as Rena mentioned, because, you know, whatever the blue book value on it is, realistically, because we're talking about defeat software, yeah. you know, the, the blue book value, I don't think should even come into play here. Realistically, you almost should be finding a number between the blue book value and what the original value of the car was because of the, the, the what the what the owner of the vehicle is having to go through. Yeah, that's a good argument. I think you're right about that. I think the problem would be in the details of how you're actually going to administer that. I mean, the right. way that the settlement reads is that as of the date when the scandal broke nine months ago, right. that's the blue book value they're going to use for calculating how much your car is. So it's it's the amount of the the amount your car was worth before it's discounted for this problem. I think that's probably as good a bright line as you as you can get in this case. And then uh, they're fudging that a little bit with a payment of five thousand to ten thousand is the figure we've heard. This yeah. is not finalized, by the way, until another month goes by and the judge signs off on the on the deal, and we have the, all the uh, details announced. So there, that's that's the amount that they're kind of ballparking in terms of how much uh, extra do we owe consumers for the fact that we basically lied to you. And, and Rena, this goes to kind of the what the auto industry as a whole has been going through. Uh, obviously, I mentioned at the top of the show, Toyota is now recalling another 3.3 million vehicles. I mean that uh, that problem continues to go on. We had the GM, the ignition switch problem Mitsubishi uh, announcing that they fudged on on uh, on uh, gas mileage numbers uh, you know we don't know how many vehicles I guess in the US were affected by that but we're talking about an industry that seemingly has no concerns in trying to cut the corners when they need to to be able to to make muster with a lot of rules whether it be here in the US or other places around the world uh, you know I could amen to that. And you actually, I don't think I heard you mention Takata, which is even more horrible. Right, yeah. 
Um, let me just say quickly, the one problem with VW is that they don't have a fix because they cheaped out when they put in the emissions control. So even if they turn off the defeat device, if they try and retrofit, it will be very expensive. The car won't run as well. That's the dilemma. So, uh, you know, if consumers start to hear about that, and we have, you know, 24-7 news cycle on the web and all of that, yeah. uh, they may be even more hesitant to bring them in. But you're exactly right about uh, what's wrong with this industry. And one reason, one problem is that the regulatory agency is always on its back heel. It has very um, inadequate legal authority. If you fail to notify of a defect in a timely way, you face a $35 million fine, which is sort of paperclip money, you know. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that's very important, and I think it was very significant that it was uh, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates who led the news conference. She was very went out of her way to say that they were still investigating criminally. Right. She yeah. is the author of a memo that says they are going to start going after high-level managers. Um, VW was very uncooperative during this whole thing, and I think the Justice Department has, uh, you know, its backup because it just couldn't deal with these folks. So um, if they file charges against individual managers, that will begin to be uh, the kind of deterrent that I think this industry needs. GM signed a deal with them where they didn't admit to any crime. The Justice Department said, we could have charged you with a crime, but we're not going to do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, the corporate uh, structure, and I would be really interested in what Eric has to say about this, but I think the corporate structure in these huge companies, it's what Mary Barra, the uh, head of GM, calls the um, diffusion of responsibility. It's a D GM nod. You know, you sort of say, oh, yes, at the end of the meeting, there's no action list. Nobody takes the lead in correcting a problem. And until there is an incentive for individuals to step up in that kind of situation, I think we're going to continue to see these issues. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and um, I'm glad you mentioned the that Rena mentioned the Sally Yates memo. Uh, there is a commitment uh, since the uh, 2009 scandal, and since uh, many a lot of outrage about the fact that there haven't been prosecutions following the uh, the Great Recession. There's been a shift in the Justice Department, at least at the moment, and we'll, we'll see what happens in the election and whether that shifts uh, going forward. But at least at the moment, there's a commitment to uh, if you're going to charge a company for a crime, which you can do in the United States, you yeah. can't do that in Germany at the moment. Uh, if you're going to charge a company as an entity for a crime, you must, or there's a very strong assumption that you're, or presumption that you're also going to charge individual right. pe specific people. And that's what um, the Justice Department is now looking at. That is not included in this settlement. So the, this settlement is purely on the civil side. Yeah. It's, it's fairly huge. I mean, it's a record-breaking settlement in terms of the amount of money that VW is already putting up. But my sense is that there are going to be uh, there's going to be a very strong effort to put individual people on the hook for this. And and I think that on the deterrence point, it's true that you're going to continue to have the problem of incentives within corporate structures to 
uh, maximize returns. And if you don't have the correct structures set up so that the higher level officials are making sure that the law is being followed and that you have you have you have some basic ethical grounding and how the managers are. Are, are dealing with that problem, you're going to have uh, incentives just structurally for these kinds of problems to continue to happen. So we do. it is a huge, large problem. That I think it's difficult, by the way. We can get into the complexities about it. Uh, it also it also involves who makes money from this. So sure, yeah. The shares we talked about, I think, last time I was on, VW shareholders uh, who profited from these uh, the defeat devices, yep. a lot of those have sold and are gone and are sitting pretty and are never going to be recovered against. And there are other people who also profited from the incentive structures that are put up that actually don't get put on the, uh, uh, you know, there's there's really no theory or structure that we have right now to actually get hold them accountable. The the shareholders are going to get hit now are mm-hmm. those who were still holding the bag or have bought shares since the scandal, et cetera. Uh, and now the share price readjusted for that, but that's one of the uh, that's one of the big questions: is how do you get the incentives right to try to prevent these uh, problems from continuing? That is uh, Wharton's Eric Ortz. We are also joined by Rena Steinzer, who is a professor at the University of Maryland. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. We're talking about the VW settlement, upwards of $15 billion. Was it fair? If you're a VW owner out there listening to us, maybe you'd like to give us your two cents. You're more than welcome to. And that two cents hopefully will come back about 50,000 times for you if VW pays you the amount you're due for your car. Nonetheless, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call right now. By the way, Dan, if you are a VW owner, as I am, and we already checked, there is a there is a uh, website. So if you are a VW owner and you're yep. wondering, are you covered or not, you can go to the VW website and put in your VIN vehicle identification number, and it will say, yes, you're covered or not. No, you're not covered. And then details about that we anticipate will be available at the end of July. Is that their main website, or do they have a I, secondary website I think so. for this specific? I think so. My wife checked it, so yeah. I don't have that website right here, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty easily Googleable. Rena, how tough is going to be prosecution of individuals? from VW management or, you know, whatever level uh, by the U.S. government, because as we seemingly have seen with a variety of these different instances, it it seemingly gets passed off. And you you don't know how far up the corporate ladder the knowledge of this particular event really went, even though in this case, you know, the CEO of the company resigned. Yes, you know, um, I actually think when uh, another issue is whether we can get jurisdiction over citizens of Germany, right? Yeah, which is a hard thing. But um, you know, right, right after the scandal broke, uh, GW, uh, VW fired five people, yep. and they were not. You know, they also said it was all the engineers. They cooked this up in some smoke-filled cabal. You know, who knows? They're terrible. We, and the rest of us did nothing. Right. And that is uh, hard to believe because what happened was they were just about to enter the U.S. market with their diesel cars, and they had put a lot of energy into promoting them and realized that the cars, because they had cheaped out on the admission system could not make U.S. standards, and that's when they did the cheat device. And it is almost impossible to believe, I think, 
that uh, that the marketing department, someone wasn't aware that there were big problems and mm. that there weren't several fairly senior people. The five uh, men who were fired were right at the top of design, which is right. a very important function in a car company. You wrote a, a paper a while back about uh, the BP uh, disaster and, and what happened there, and, and that link really towards regulatory failure. Uh, go through what you wrote at that time and, and how realistically this kind of plays into that as well. Well, you know, uh, their regulatory failure in that case was uh, a regulator that was right next door to the people that were doing oil leases and partying with the oil industry. And they were, you know, just very small and timid and in the middle of the Department of Interior and, you know, uh, subject to the pressure to do oil leases. In this case, I've also written a paper about VW, we see the same thing, that the regulator doesn't have uh, sufficient technical uh, expertise to get ahead of these problems. And uh, one of the things that's so sad, and this was reported in the Wall Street Journal this morning, the discovery of the cheat device was done by a group of engineers. It was almost accidental at West Virginia University. It wasn't Mm -hmm. the regulator who discovered it. It was uh, some guys who were hired by an international environmental group and happened to notice that, uh, you know, the vehicle was not not functioning well on road. Um, The cheat device fixed it so that when you were at the Motor Vehicle uh, Administration getting tested, uh, you came out looking good. Yeah. And then immediately you started belching stuff into the air as you drove off the lot. That was literally how <laughs> yeah. it worked. Another wrinkle on this is that we have um, actually 11 million vehicles worldwide are yep. affected. That yep. have, and VW has admitted that they use these same kind of devices in these vehicles. And the a po- one, one wrinkle is if you look at the European regulatory system, it's much more, quote, unquote, collaborative. Right. And so there's still, I believe, VW is maintaining they were perfectly legal in the European context. Now, they're now uh, having announced this settlement for 500,000 cars in the United States. Uh, you can imagine that there's some, I believe there's a class action moving forward, which has impediments under German law, et cetera, for uh, for European owners who are saying, well, wait, what about us? So right. if you're going to multiply this number up when people are saying, hey, if you're going to pay Americans this amount of money or take their car back, how come you're not doing it for us? And their defense is going to be, well, European law is different than U.S. law. That's going to be a difficult uh, position, I think, to maintain. So we're there's still a lot of uh, other dominoes to fall in this case, and we'll see what uh, in the in the going forward in the future. I guess the other part to it is, and and we talked about this before, is the fact that realistically, Volkswagen as an auto company here in the United States doesn't have a huge share of the market. It's a relatively. It's not increasing now either. Well, yeah. exa- exactly right. Giant in Germany. Right, exactly. But here in the U.S., it hasn't been traditionally a huge market. Now, obviously, they have helped themselves out with having Audi, and, and Audi that Audi brand has picked up pace in a little while. So we really don't know. You know, I mean, we don't expect that 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 market share is going to increase anytime. Although Audi may be the one that that under their umbrella really does help them out in the years to come. 
Well, I will, I will make one point, which and, and Rena may, may, may disagree with this, but I think as I look at history with some of the oil companies that have had scandals like Shell yeah. uh, or chemical companies like Dow, one thing that you sometimes see, and I think that this is possible in this case, is that a company that has a really bad experience like this and realizes the damage that can be done to reputation from an environmental disaster, environmental uh, of serious environmental mistake as we have here, can sometimes uh, change and 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 get the message uh, yeah. and and shift. Now there are, some people are skeptical about that, but I think that there are is at least a potential where this is a very large Whoa. company, and even though it's true that probably there were uh, some culprits at the top, it's also true that it's a very large company, and it's easy to say. VW, and then it's associated that VW is a bad company. They're going to be, uh, there's going to be an interest in trying to make a credible claim and yeah. cre that you are actually addressing this issue seriously, that you're you are uh, you're you're serious about that. That yeah. there are going to be um, remediation that's paid. There are going to be better technologies going forward. Uh, you might you're going to have electric vehicles that are available to to solve uh, the same kind of problem that we're facing in the future. So I think that's at least the potential um, uh, the, the potential silver lining. Right. I hope you're right. I mean, of course, then on the other hand, we have BP, which was a notorious lawbreaker for 10 years. So, um, you know, before True. the border horizon. Um, but and, I, uh, and it was I calling sure itself... Uh, you're right. I mean, it's yeah. certainly... Um, we've seen it go both ways. We've seen it break both ways. I, I guess it, from that perspective, Rena, the fact that a company, as Eric says, does own up to the fact that they made the mistake, they have to correct it, they have to fix it, even though, in this case, VW, the settlement doesn't you know, actually say that they claimed responsibility, or I'm not sure how the, the, the phraseology is, and it's the same way with GW or GM with the uh, uh, with the ignition switch recall that they didn't, you know, actually physically say that they were responsible for this, but they did own up and they knew that they had to make changes. What do you think that responsibility? How much does that resonate with consumers? You know, I think that Mary Barra uh, is magic. Um, I think she apologized early and often and is now recognized as one of the best CEOs in the, com in the country. I disagree that they got what's called a deferred prosecution agreement. They didn't have to admit uh, to crime. But um, I, I am in awe of her public relations. It sort of reminds me of the Johnson & Johnson when the sure, Tylenol yeah. was tampered with, yeah. which is a study that, you know, an ethical study I'm sure Eric's familiar with and you do in your mm -hmm. business school. Um, VW doesn't have that profile. I mean, they've been, uh, uh, you know, drag, drag kicking and screaming into this. Um, their American manager uh, quit, um, which distressed many of their dealers in this country. I mean, they are not the profile of a uh, repentant business that is saying that it's going to do better in the future in the way that GM was. So, as we mentioned and have mentioned on this show before, Eric, you are a VW owner. Yeah, owned a. <laughs> That's a great Eric. Oh, oh, <laughs> owned a. Yeah, I was. I'm a victim. Owned a clean diesel vehicle. <laughs> I bought it because partly it was a clean diesel, and it performed much better than a Prius. By the way, so still does. <laughs> so, so, where are you right now in terms of VW? 
and wanting to have a product from that company. Well, I'm defending myself against some of my business ethics colleagues who keep asking me, why do I still have this vehicle, which yeah. is true. And now my defense is if I had sold the vehicle, then uh, somebody else would be polluting at uh, 40 times the limit of nitrogen oxide. Um, so, uh, but seriously, I think that um, uh, I'm, right now I'm waiting to see what the actual details on this are. I think if they are credibly going to buy it back and then it gets off the road and you get compensated for it. Uh, and frankly, I'm waiting to see. Um, I've already been uh, uh, looking at what are the, uh, my family has already been looking at what are the alternatives. Um, my wife has been a VW owner, I think for maybe four generations of cars wow. so far. So yeah. she, so there's a, there are probably some of those people, right, who, who like VW, uh, who have liked the cars. And have, it's hard to break. Have generally trusted them and now feel wronged. And the question is, are they going to be able to come back to those consumers and say, you know, we realize that we made a mistake here, but we want you back for one reason or another. Now, there are going to be some consumers who don't care about the fact that they uh, committed what essentially, in my, my understanding, is an environmental fraud. And, and I certainly feel uh, wronged. I, I mean, going around saying, look how green I am, and I teach environmental yeah, law, well, et cetera. And that, it's kind the, of a joke now. But, but the difference uh, but, is you didn't a lot know. Of people, you didn't a lot know. of people feel hurt, and there's a damage from that. But he and, knows now. You see, that's the question. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, Eric is the you know, apex of consumers. But the question is, each family is going to have to make its own calculation. And, mm -hmm. you know, people can't afford to, uh, if they don't have the money to buy a new car, as Eric mentioned, to take this settlement. I mean, it, we really have to see yeah. it's a voluntary offer. Yeah. It's not, you know, it, it, there is no way to mandate that people return a piece of property in the United States. So, you know, if it, if it fails, if it doesn't work, then um, hopefully, and uh, they're going to offset it with more corrections on air. Well, eventually, I think, Rena, they can mandate a fix eventually, yeah. right? So you could eat. I think the choice is either you, uh, you have a buyback or you uh, bring it in for a fix. The problem is that a lot of people maybe just won't do that. And, uh, but then I believe they'd be driving cars that are not. Uh, that are not registered, don't comply, right? right? So then you'd be violating the law. But you're right; they still could be, you still could be doing that, and there be uh, the question is how many of those vehicles would remain on the road? Great to have and you. The fix may not be good. You sure, know, that's yeah. the technologically. I'm no engineer. Well, we already know, and they've said that the fix will mean you have uh, appear, appears to mean that you'll have. Uh, less uh, fuel efficiency and less performance. So that's generally not really very helpful. <laughs> Rena, right. Rena, great to have you on the show with us today. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Eric, a new title for you. The apex of consumers. Oh well, that's uh, I, I, at least on the of, of, of a green variety. I there think. you go. But thank you very much. Thank you very much, Eric. Uh, great to have you on the show. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.